You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. And a very disappointing uh, end of the season uh, for Rangers and Rangers fans, that's for sure. As we know, they lost the Lightning uh, last night 2-1, to one, so the Lightning uh, take the series 4-2. As we know, the Rangers started strong here at home, going up 2-0. A lot of people felt that uh, the Lightning uh, were just uh, off because they were off for so long. They came in, they were stale, uh, and needed a minute uh, to, to definitely kind of get their engines revving. And sure enough, when they did, uh, they won four, stra- four straight. So last night's game, first period, no score. Um, second period, um, Rangers go up 1-0. Third period, uh, their little, little glimmer of hope as the Rangers tie it up. And just a few seconds later, uh, it all goes out the window as, uh, of course, uh, the puck drops another um, lucky way, right? Like, um, Shesterkin makes the save, but, uh, then deflects off of a knee and bounces in. I, I feel like that's been the storyline. Has it not of this Rangers postseason? It's, 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 it's really been unbelievable. Um, the, uh, Rangers got outshot 31 to 21, uh, Vasilevsky, uh, Seven seven shots in the first, or I should say really seven saves in the first, six in the second, eight in the third. So just 21 shots um, at goal for the Rangers. As we know, that's not going to fit the bill. Uh, five and one, they finished the postseason in elimination games. Still uber impressive, uh, but, um, you know, just, just uh, they played hard. You know, and, and, I, and I do want to open up the, the phone lines, 800-919-3776. I would like to hear from Rangers fans because, you know, as disappointing as last night's loss it was and, and waking up this morning and realizing that this magical postseason run for the Rangers, which has been so fun to watch, is over, uh, you, you've got to feel good and you've got to feel proud about how they've played. By the way, uh, this Rangers playoff report presented by uh, The People by Caesars Sportsbook. So, um, and, and also excited to have on a little bit later, um, Colin Stevenson is going to join us at 9.30 uh, later on this morning. Uh, if he's from Newsday, does an excellent job covering the Rangers. So we'll talk about the game last night. We'll also uh, talk about, um, I'm, I'm going to tee him up with what the Rangers are going to do this offseason. You know, there's so much talk about how great this team is and how they peaked soon and, and a lot sooner than what most people thought and how great this team is going to be, let's say, for the next three to five years. So, uh, you know, what, what do the Rangers need to do in, in this postseason to get better, to come back and have this kind of run and, and possibly potentially win the East and, and, and represent the East in the Stanley Cup? So excited to get Colin on. He, again, he's going to be joining us at 930 We'll also talk some NBA as uh, the series is tied now. What a fun series that is with Golden State taking care of Boston 107 to 97 in game four. So the season, the, the series is now tied at two it was tonight would be a great night. Let's be honest. We, we've got, we've got baseball going on tonight. And by the way, the Mets are the, the evening ESPN game. Uh, that first pitch is at seven o'clock against the angels, um, which is great. And uh, Walker will, will be pitching for them, but this would be a great night to have the NBA game five, but it's not going to be taking place till Monday. So next week, Golden State uh, at Golden State on Monday, Boston game six on Thursday. And then, um, and then if a game seven is needed, uh, that will be on the following Sunday 
as well. So, so th- that's, that's what the uh, postseason in the NBA looks like. We'll have Moke Hamilton join us at the top of the 10 o'clock hour to break that down for us. Also, uh, Eric Moody, who uh, I work with at ESPN, uh, part of our, our daily wager team, is going to join us. Uh, we'll get his thoughts on, uh, on the NBA as well as we'll do a deep dive into the Jets. OTAs are over now for all the teams in the NFL. This is the summer break pretty much for uh, all the NFL players. Um, as teams hope everybody stays out of trouble and, uh, this is their final hurrah vacation per se, before they come back and arrive for training camp. As we know, at the end of July, that's when things really get started. It gets kicked off and, uh, and they start getting ready. Of course, the preseason games in August. And then of course the season's going to be here before we know it in September, but believe it or not, uh, the, uh, Vegas sports books have taken more money okay, betting on the Jets' futures bets than any team in the NFL. And it's over five and a half wins. That's really, that's the key bet. So I thought it'd be great. Um, Eric does a phenomenal job. I thought it'd be great to have Eric on to talk about that and get, and, and get his feelings in regard to what to look forward to this season in the NFL. And as I said, you've got uh, 1.30. Uh, you've got the, the, the Yankees looking to sweep the Cubs. Uh, Tyone is, is, uh, is pitching for the Yankees, 6-1 and one with a 2.73 ERA. We'll see what he can do. As we know, the Yankees crushed the cover off the ball uh, yesterday against the Cubs. Unbelievable six home runs in that matchup. And then, of course, uh, the Mets and the Angels are the ESPN evening game. That first pitch is at 7 o'clock with Walker going 3-2 and two with a 3.28 ERA. So we'll talk Major League Baseball. Um, we'll talk some NFL uh, definitely a lot of NBA and definitely a lot of Rangers for you. And we'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. As I said, I'm excited to have Colin on at, uh, at 930 in just about 15 minutes because I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm hooked. I'm in. I, I'm curious. I want to see what this Rangers team, uh, what they can do to potentially better this team in the, uh, in the offseason to come back and be even bigger and better next year, if that's, if that's possible. Again, your New York Rangers playoff report presented by the people of Caesars Books. Download the, and get started with a risk-free bet up to $1,500. And every bet you make bringing you closer to redeeming, redeeming um, Amazon Perks only Caesars, Amazon, amazing perks. Anita, I know it's only 915. Amazing perks only Caesars can offer. Uh, TNC apply must be 21 years or older. We talked about it, right? Like you want to call it borrowed time, house money, whatever the case. No one really expected them to, uh, to go that far especially 5-1 and one in elimination games, coming back down 3-1 against Pittsburgh, um, 3-2 against Carolina, winning on uh, the Hurricanes' home ice. It was an, an unbelievable, sensational run. I would imagine Ranger fans have to feel really great about what they saw from the Rangers this season. And um, But but I know that's, that's hard to do right now after a very disappointing loss last night and, and realizing that this very magical postseason run is gone. 800-919-3776. We're going to hear from Gallant in just a second. Let's go to Joe calling in from Clark. Joe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, so, uh, you know, to start out, just like you said, uh, I don't think any Ranger fans should be upset about this season. Um, I, fans, the team, I don't think anyone should hang their head. Uh, if you were to tell me in uh, in October that the, the Rangers were going to be in, in six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final, I'd, I'd call you crazy. Um, 
Yesterday, uh, Gordon was talking before the show, and he was saying that if the Rangers lose this series, that uh, some of the Islander fans might come out of hiding in the basement. I just want to tell them that they should stay in the basement because their team was uh, completely embarrassing this year. Um, but uh, I think they fought hard, and uh, you know, I think if they got some rest, I think they're they're passing the lighting, and we'd see them in the final. But I think they played a great season, and uh, you know. We'll get past this. I don't think anyone should hang their head. So uh, now to look forward, just, uh, let's go Mets pretty much. <laughs> there you go, Joe. <laughs> oh, ouch to Islander fans. Appreciate the call. Uh, as I said, let's, let, let's listen in. Um, you know, again, I, I know it was a late game. So uh, we're, we're just going to play Gallant's press conference uh, in its entirety for you right now. Um, so, uh, so, Tom, let's cue that up. Turk, I mean, three one-goal games that you lose of these four, mm-hmm. I'm sure it stings a ton right now. I just feel like those guys, that's why they're the champs. They pull out yeah. games like that. Yeah, it's hard right now. But like I said, we played well. We battled hard. We had a chance to win all those games. And, you know, they found a way to get the big goal at the big time. But I'm proud of our guys. We battled hard, kept competed every night. We're on the front left to Molly. Could you just give us a glimpse into what you said in the room or what was said in the room right now? There was nothing said. There, you know, we'll talk to more. They're disappointed, obviously, but there wasn't wasn't much said. Front left, Colin. Yeah, can you, <clears throat> can you just tell us a little bit about when you tie the game there? Mm-hmm. Just what happens, and you know, it, what what happened there at the end? I don't know what you're saying. We yeah, we tied the game. We were in a good spot, and they went down, and scored again. I I don't know what happened. I mean, I, you know, they got a goal. You know, we battled hard. We come back. We tied the game on a power play goal, and they come down, get a two-on-one, and put it in the net. We'll go uh, center right to Mark. Mark, can you speak to to the way Igor played tonight? It just it looked like it could have been a three. Yeah, like he played all season long. Great goaltender, competitor, makes some big saves at the key times for us, and gives us a chance to win. So he does his job every night. Outstanding. We'll go uh, center left to Vince. I. I know you didn't want to use this as an excuse during the playoffs, but 20 games in 40 days. I mean, did you feel like over the course of, of this series, especially that wear and tear start to show? Well, I'm glad you brought in- that up because that's what I was thinking. There's no doubt it showed up. And, you know, we go 7-7, seven, 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 no really breaks. I would have loved to get by tonight and had two days off. That would have been the first time. That would have been awesome, but it's the way it goes. You know, when you go 7-7, seven and seven, you get there's not much break, and guys don't get a chance to heal much. And, it made it tough, but uh, again, we battled hard, we competed hard, did the best they could. Do you think that was part of the reason why the offense dried up in the last few games? Definitely. Front right, Larry. No, I was just going to ask you what, why you think you had so much trouble generating an attack, getting to the front. Was it fatigue, or, or are they just a much more? I think it's a combination of both. Not that they're 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 a big, big defensive team. They they make it tough on you. They box you out really well. And they do a good job, and and again, our forwards were trying to battle to get there, and and it's fatigue. There's no doubt in my mind. Center right, Dan. Uh, just quick, Ryan Strom obviously goes. He guts mm-hmm. it out a little bit there, but did you see something with him, or did he pull? Like, how did that end up with him not coming back off of it? No, he was he was hurting pretty good, you know. And I mean, I seen it from the first shift, but he was still okay. You know what I mean? So at the, when we when we pulled him at the end, the trainer went down and asked him, and he said, "There's not much there." So we made that decision. Center left, Vince. What, what insight can you give us into the some of the lineup changes you made, and then Cockle? I'm not going to talk about it. 
Kako any reason? I'm not going to talk about it, Vince. Not today's not the time right now for me. We'll go back right. Yeah, in terms of uh, maybe best performances by a goaltender um, in a losing series and a losing effort, um, is that from Igor? Is that right up there in terms of what you've seen? Uh, I couldn't hear. Talk oh, a little louder, In terms please. of what you've seen um, from goaltenders in a losing series, is that one of the best performances you've? Yeah, seen? no, I thought Igor was outstanding. Again, he gave us a chance to win every night, and we get out chance in a lot of the games. But uh, he was outstanding. He's our best player all year long, and he did it again in this series. We'll go front left, Colin. <clears throat> um, with Strom, you said you, you saw it from the first shift. Did you did you know it was a 50-50 thing with him, or did you feel like he was pretty good going in? No, he's, he started the game, and again, I'm not going to tell you what's wrong with him, but uh, he started the game, and he was fine, and then we caught up to him. So it was, it was more than 50-50. He wouldn't have played. Gallant talking to the media post game. Uh, two things, obviously, that, uh, that that we can we can walk away with, and that is the fact that this was a Rangers team, uh, twenty games in 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 forty days, and, uh, and and definitely took a toll on this squad. Especially you're talking about going the distance against Pittsburgh, um, as well as uh, as well as Carolina and Kako with a healthy scratch. Uh, you could hear it in Gallant. He didn't want to talk about it last night. I'm really, really curious. Uh, you know what, what's going to be revealed there because obviously, um, as I like to say, uh, no bueno. Something obviously uh, doesn't feel right there. So, uh, so Kako, a healthy scratch, uh, was asked. Um, Gallant was asked in that post game press conference and said, "Not here, not today. This isn't the time." Okay, well, I'm I'm really intrigued now and curious when he is ready to talk about it exactly why Kako was a healthy scratch. <laughs> Welcome back to 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday morning and a very disappointing morning, of course, for Rangers fans, unfortunately. Uh, we have Colin Stevenson who's joining us. You can see his work all over Newsday. Uh, he was there in Tampa, uh, traveling back, of course, to New York this morning. So, Colin, please know how much we appreciate your time. First and foremost, uh, let's talk about this unfortunate loss uh, the Rangers suffered last night. I feel like this is this is like a reoccur- reoccurring story. It's, it's like... Um, What's that movie? I I, I try to um, unfortunately no well, Groundhog Day is is the, that's pretty accurate. But like a series of unfortunate <laughs> events, right? Like like oh, yeah, I just yeah, that one too, yeah. right? Like I just feel like the puck just never never drops um, uh, in in favor of the Rangers. I just feel like when they lose, it's just it's by bad luck. But um, that's just my take. What's your take on the unfortunate two one loss last night? Well, I mean. You know, like there's there's a whole bunch of big picture uh, ways that you can look at. The biggest picture is that they were playing their 20th playoff game in 40 days. So I mean, it, it's been a long time. They went seven in the first round, seven, and and a lot of stress too. Like uh, they were down three one in the first round. So I mean, they 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 had been playing with their backs to the wall for much of that series. And seven in the first round, seven in the second round, um, and just. A, day, a game every other day. I mean, at some point, it was going to catch up to them. They weren't going to be able to um, go to the brink of elimination all these times and and and, uh, and make it out all these times. As it was, they they played six elimination games. They won five of them. So it just kind of caught up to them at the end. Uh, it, it looked, it, it did look like they ran out of gas, but it also looked like you know, look, they they played the the Lightning, you know, who are the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, and they and they kind of know what they're doing. And and I think, you know, once once Tampa Bay won Game Five in the Garden, which you know I, I think may have 
been something that uh, I don't want to say it's a surprise, but but you know the, the Rangers were really counting on being back in the Garden for Game Five to kind of get them restarted. And once Tampa Bay won that game, and I, I I didn't really think that the, the Rangers were going to be able to pull it out and, and win in Game Six. And then Tampa smelled blood in the water, and uh, and they outplayed the Rangers. Uh, you know, significantly. I mean, and really, it's two to one. But if it's not for Igor Shesterkin, it could have been four one, five one. You know, it was, it, Tampa's Tampa ended up being better, the better team um, last night. And you have to say that. Um, and in the in the moment, in the in the small picture, you look at all the things the Rangers didn't do. But you know, when when you step back and look at the bigger picture, I think the Rangers were in a good place. Uh, you know, getting as far as they did. Absolutely, and and you know, one of the five and one in elimination games. I, I mean, it's just, and especially for this, this unit who, and and this is a conversation I've had with a number of or a number of other uh, analysts and, and and writers and whatnot who who cover the Rangers, and that is, this team is definitely peaking a lot sooner than what most people thought they would. So you want to call it borrowed time, you want to call it house money, whatever the case. The fact that they made it through Pittsburgh, Carolina, and took and took it this far, especially starting with a 2-0 lead. Granted, yes, they lost four straight, but nonetheless, uh, you know, taking a 2-0 lead against a Tampa Bay Lightning team, you could say they were rusty, whatever the case, uh, is 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 uber impressive. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, now to be fair, <laughs> you talk to the players after the game last night, they didn't want to hear about the big picture. They were hurting. Um, you know, uh, Chris Kreider said, you know, he felt empty. Uh, Jacob, I asked Jacob Truba if he was proud of their effort, and he's like, you know, not not right now. <laughs> you know, i got to take a couple days to reflect, but right now it doesn't feel too good. And, and, and Mika Zibanejad just said, you know, I, I, I just didn't want it to be over. So, um, you know, they weren't thinking big picture uh, after the game last night. But, yeah, you know, absolutely they – this was a look at the start of the season. I, I would think most of us expected them to make the playoffs. It was sort of a make the playoffs or bust kind of season. And, you know, they went beyond that. You know, they, they not only did they make the playoffs, but they had 110 points in the regular season. So, you know, they didn't squeak in by any means. And then, and, uh, you know, they won a round. They came back from 3 1 down. They won the second round. Uh, you know, this was, uh, you know, you, you said it as you said it, they were playing with house money. So, yeah, when you if you're going to evaluate the entire season, big big win for them. Um, and then the question, you know, which will be asked in the coming days is, um, you know, can they build on this? You know, are, are they are you know you've gone three rounds. How much deeper can you go? I mean, is is, is a cup uh, there in the, in the future? Uh, the window just opened for them. I don't know how long it's going to last. It's going to be open. Um, can they win a cup before it closes? You know, that, that'll be the next challenge. Again, Colin Stevenson joining us here at 98.7 ESP, and you can see his work all over Newsday. All right, so, so let's, let's look bigger picture here, right, um, and, uh, and what, what we can anticipate on how this Rangers club is going to grow. Already, we know the value in regard to the experience that this young club has gotten based on, on, on this postseason run, right? But how do they restock to go even further and possibly win a Stanley Cup. I was reading what they've got 14.8 million under the cap. What can they do in the draft? Obviously they need to improve their five on five. That's where they struggled a lot. What about some of the free agents out there? And it's evident they need a veteran defensive uh, defenseman to come in and, and, and definitely bolster that and, and, and help Igor as well. So uh, kind of give it, give us a lay of the land. What do you expect this Rangers organization to do in the off season, Colin? 
Well, that's the tricky part. Uh, I think, you know, this the window opened this year, but I, I you know, I, I wonder with what they were able to accomplish at the trade deadline uh, if this might not have been the best chance, the best team they were going to have, at least for the next few years, because they had cap space this year um, to go out at the trade deadline and really acquire pieces that fit perfectly. If you think about getting Andrew Kopp, getting Frank Petrano, getting Tyler Mott, getting Justin Braun, uh, all of those guys played uh, big roles. Well, you know, Braun, Braun was a supporting role, but the other guys were, were uh, important players for the Rangers in these playoffs. And um, they're all rental free agents. All guys on expiring contracts are going to be un- uh, unrestricted free agents. They certainly won't be able to re-sign all of them. If you look at their cap situation, they they, they signed Mika Zibanejad and Adam Fox to big money uh, contract extensions that kick in next season. So the, the, the cap space they had to work with this year they will not have next year. So Chris Drury, the general manager and president, is going to you know, have, have to get creative and he's going to have to make some choices. Um, you know, For instance, he's going to need, you know, Ryan Strom is an unrestricted free agent, so is Andrew Kopp. Uh, you know, if you look at what, what they have projected available under the cap next year, I, I doubt it's possible. Uh, that they could re-sign both of them. So they're going to have to choose which one of those guys is going to be their second-line center. Um, I don't know if they can bring back Petrano. Uh, you know, Tyler Mott uh, is a guy who helped them in their bottom six. Uh, and uh, you'd very much like to have him in the lineup, but he's going to cost money. Uh, they have to re-sign Capo Caco. Um you know, they have to re-sign Sammy Blay. Those guys are restricted free agents. So, I mean, they, he's got some work uh, cut out for him. And, uh, you know, he's not going to have the sort of uh, flexibility that he had last season. So, what what is he going to do? I mean, I don't know. He's going to have to choose between Kopp and Strom, or he's going to have to find somebody else that, that fits the bill to play with uh, Artemi Panarin. Um, and then, uh, you know, he's going to have to rely on uh, – guys growing from this experience so Alexis Lafreniere had 19 goals in the regular season uh, played well in the, in, the, in the playoffs and you know can he take the next step to the next tier uh, of star and uh, Phil Hedo who had a very disappointing regular season actually blew up in the playoffs had seven goals he was their third leading goal scorer um, is he ready for you know to take the step and be a, a, a bigger player for them next year um, so, you know, they're going to need guys like that to get better, uh, number one. And then they're going to need to have guys come up. You know, they've got a lot of prospects that, that are in the system um, that, you know, that maybe can crack the lineup next year and, you know, on entry-level uh, contracts and, and, and they have to get mileage out of them. So, you know, it's a, it's a dicey off season, and he's got a lot of work to do. Um, to reconstruct the roster because, you know, as I said, he's probably going to be losing, you know, at least two, if not three of these four guys that he brought in at the trade deadline. And, and so they're going to look very different. Interesting because, you know, I, I, I think, I think the talk um, throughout the playoffs was, wow, look how great, you know, this Rangers team is right now. The future looks really, really bright, but it doesn't sound, it, it's, it sounds like they're going to have to work some magic in order to be able to recreate, uh, what we've seen this this season, especially in the postseason, then. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think they're, you know, I think they're in pretty good shape for uh, being 
you know, a, a playoff team and, and a team that's maybe going to win a round every year. But if you're talking about taking the next step and getting to the finals, uh, then they have to get better from, from where they are today. And I just I think that that's going to be difficult. You know, from a, from a salary cap perspective, it's going to be difficult. So, so they're going to need um, some of these young guys, you know, who are, are still on relatively cheap contracts, to, to really take the next step and, and really uh, be big time players for them. And, and the one, Anita, that, that kind of I, I, I wonder about is, is Kapo Kaka, who was the number two pick overall in 2019, 21 years old. He was a healthy scratch last night. And uh, I believe it was the first time he was uh, a healthy scratch in his three year career. Um, and I, I don't know what that sort of thing does to a young man's head. I don't know where he's, you know, he could come back next year and, and be on fire and, and, you know, have a chip on his shoulder and something to prove and, and could have the greatest season uh, of his life. But, you know, it's, he could sell too. I mean, I don't know. You, know. you just never know with that sort of thing. So there are unknowns, but yes. I mean, if you look at what they got out of, you know, Adam Fox, who, you know, obviously uh, is, is one of the stars in this league. If you look at uh, the season that, DeAndre Miller put together and, and his growth, um, you know, yeah, they look pretty well positioned. And, and I, I haven't even mentioned uh, Shisterkin as far as that's concerned. He's a young guy, too. He's only 26 mm-hmm. years old. Um, so, you know, they look to be in good shape. I just question, um, you know, what they're going to need to do to take the next step to get beyond the conference final to get to the Stanley Cup final. Um, really quick before, because I, I want to get your, your your thoughts on, of course, the Lightning taking on the Avalanche. I'm really excited for that series. As disappointed as I am, the Rangers have an advance. But, man, you talk about that Avalanche offense going up against uh, arguably the best uh, goaltender in, in the NHL. I want to get your thoughts on that. But uh, talk about the kid line. We heard a lot about the kid line, right, um, throughout the postseason. Uh, that, that stays intact, yes? Well, so that's the that's the thing, Anita. I, you know, so in, in in game six, you know, with with uh, their backs to the wall, Gerard Gallant, the coach, broke up the kid line. He he, he left Capo Caco out of the lineup, uh, which was a, a stunning decision. And you know, okay, that's that's fine. Maybe he thought that he needed a little bit more speed. He, he inserted Dryden Hunt, who hadn't played since game three of the of the first series. Uh, it was a head scratcher. Um, but okay, that's that's fine. He's the coach; it's his prerogative. So, but I don't know if that kid line's going to stay together. I don't know if they would have stayed together in any case because, again, you're going to be losing probably, I say, uh, Vetrano off that top line. So maybe one of those kids, maybe Kako or or Lafreniere or Hedl, uh steps up into that spot. Um, you're you're losing either Strom or Andrew Kopp, um off that second line, uh, the Panarin line. So maybe uh, another of the kids steps into that spot. So I, I don't know if the, if the kid line is going to be back as a unit. Uh, they sh- they're all going to be back as players, uh, and they all should have uh, bigger roles than they did this season. So it, it just may be that, you know, if you put Kako up with uh, Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider or if you put Lafreniere uh, in that spot, you know, it, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to look a little differently because the kids are growing up. It's, uh, it sounds like it's going to be an interesting uh, offseason, that's for sure, Colin. Before I let you go, uh, let's look forward to this Stanley Cup matchup. Like I said, the Avalanche offense just has been absolutely tremendous. So fun to watch. 
Um, and yet now this will be their biggest task uh, going up against uh, Val. I, I can never pa- pronounce his name properly, uh, Vasilevsky, um, <laughs> as being the, the best goaltender, right? In uh, I, I know I'm not the only one, so I don't feel bad about it. Um, the best goaltender in in all of uh, in all of hockey. What do you expect here? Yeah. So, I, full disclosure, I, I picked the Avalanche at the start of the season to win. Oh, good for you. Cup, and and I and I picked them. But I picked them. I was gonna say I picked them last year and the year before too. So I was wrong the last two years, um, and I have a chance this year. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to that one as well because uh, you know I thought it, it, you know it's as you said when the Rangers took the won the first two games of the series, I started thinking to myself, wow, is, is Tampa Bay? Uh, you know, are, are they done? I mean, are they? Are they worn out from uh, all this winning? You know, is it time for them to go away? And uh, clearly, it's not. So. Um, you know, I, I do think that this is a very, very exciting matchup because I, I love I love the Avalanche, uh, but clearly, as you say, uh, going up against Vasilevsky, that is a challenge that they have not faced yet. Uh, you know, in these playoffs, I mean, they they they, they swept Edmonton, and you know, Edmonton's goaltender uh, Mike Smith didn't play particularly well. So, I mean, they haven't seen this this level of goaltending. And it'll be interesting, really interesting to see, you know, uh, what kind of a challenge um, Vasilevsky presents to the Avalanche. Um, Again, I I think it's going to be a long series. I think it's going to be an entertaining series. You know, as I said, I I picked the Avalanche, you know, at the start of the season, so I'm going to stay with that. But, uh, geez, you know, I, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't wager too much money on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> who are you talking to, Colin? Do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, um, I'm, I'm just saying I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for your sake, considering uh, you, you made the call at the beginning of the season, I'll be rooting for the avalanche for you. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us this morning. That. I appreciate it. Um, have a safe flight home from Tampa and, uh, and look forward to having you on the show again, Colin. Thank you so much. Thanks, Nita. Thanks for having me. You got it. Uh, Colin Stevenson joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Again, see all his stuff on Newsday. A uh, lot to digest there, right? Like Rangers fans, disappointing uh, that uh, the, the, the postseason now is over for the Rangers. Um, and, uh, and Colin sharing some interesting information in regard to uh, sounds like uh, the Rangers are going to have to move some mountains, make some in interesting and difficult decisions in this offseason to try to restock and come back and, uh, and and make another run in the postseason for next year. What say you? What would you like to see the Rangers do based on a number of the uh, the decisions that uh, Colin pointed out for us that this Rangers team is going to have to make? 800-919-3776. Anita Marks with you on the Sunday fun day. I know, probably not so fun for a lot of Rangers fans. Here on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> So they were playing a bunch of Prince music and they asked me, what is my favorite Prince song ever? And it's Call My Name. And I don't think a lot of people have, uh, have heard that song. It is my favorite Prince song. It's, it's, it's not one that, you know, it's not Purple Rain. It's, you know, it's, it's not all, you know, it's, it's not one that was like at the top of the charts, uh, but hands down my favorite. So for all you Prince fans out there, I'm sure you know what song I'm talking about. For those that were just uh, casual Prince fans, uh, you should check it out. It's called Call My Name, and uh, it's my favorite Prince song. Without further ado, let's bring in Moke Hamilton. Moke, what was your, what's your favorite Prince song? Uh, 
Well, listen, I, I will admit, Anita, I would definitely be categorized as one of those um, uh, casual Prince fans. Um, so, so, so for me, the answer would be Purple Rain. But uh, <laughs> well, so, so guilty as charged, right? But uh, you know, maybe, maybe next time we're together, you can kind of help put me on to some of the more um, obscure hits in that catalog of the late great Prince. You want to win some um, brownie points with your beautiful wife? Um, pull up on you know you know how you could like pull up a song on YouTube on your phone. Pull up uh, "Call My Name" uh, by uh, by Prince. Copy and paste. Send it to her as soon as we get off the air. And uh, and your your Sunday is going to be magical, my friend. You can thank me later. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I will certainly take you up. I'll, <laughs> I'll let you know how that plays out. Yeah, you do that. You do that, boo. All right. Uh, let's dive into this series. We've got one, right? It's 2-2. Two, two. Who knew? I, I used the word bamboozled yesterday, and that's how I feel, right? Like, um, you know, prior to uh, Game 4 happening, I, I did a, a, a plethora of shows for ESPN. Digital shows, podcasts. Uh, I was on Daily Wager um, and, um, and, and also hosted uh, that night from seven to nine and, and heard from Nick Friedle, Tim Botemps, uh, Brian Winhurst, um, everybody. And, and Oh, by the way, boots on the ground in Boston. Okay. Boots on the ground in Boston, everybody. Oh man. Curry's going to be compromised. Ooh, he's got a foot. He's got a foot injury. You know, as Curry goes, this team goes, he's not going to be able to play 40 minutes, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and listen, I'm not calling any, anyone specifically out, this was the consensus was Curry, foot injury, not looking good. This team, man, they're done. Stick a fork in them. Oh, okay. What foot injury? 43 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists. I mean, come on, Moke. Yeah. No, it was just, it was just a tremendous performance. You know, what, what I would say, Nita, I've definitely noticed is uh, a lot of reactions to the playoffs like we just tend to be such prisoners of the moment um you know after every game and, and this playoffs i think we've been more prisoners than in the past because we've just seen so many blowouts you know what i mean so when you see a team lose by 30 it's easy to say oh man like they're not going to be able to compete with these guys this series is going to be over quickly and then they win the next game by 25 and you're like oh wow they actually clearly look like the better team so I mean, I think what my advice and my perspective would be to everybody observing is to just, just take it one game at a time, you know? Personally, I think that the whole thing about momentum and even home court advantage and, all, like, most of these things are, 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 are a farce. You know what I mean? Like, just because Boston wins game one in Oakland, oh, now they have the home court advantage. You rarely see teams at this level win one game on the road and then win all of their home games and end up winning the series like that. It doesn't usually happen that way because a team like the Warriors is good enough to win a game in Boston. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, we, we definitely tend to be prisoners of the moment. And I think that everybody should have been smart enough to know that, number one, there was no way that Steph Curry was not going to be ready to go in game four. And number two, all the Warriors needed was to win one out of those two games in Boston to make it 2-2, to make it square after four, and to get themselves back to home court advantage. So uh, I'll tell you, Anita, I know you're going to like this. So 
So uh, down 2-1 going into game four, I checked, and one of the books that I look at had the Warriors at plus 200 to win the series because they were down 2-1. Mm. I, I didn't put anything on it. I thought about it, and obviously now at this point I regret not doing it. But imagine that, plus 200 down 2-1 in the series as if they're not capable of, of finding a way to beat the Celtics three out of the next four times. You know, it's funny. We're, yeah, we're prisoners I- of the moment. All of us are. Yeah, so you know, and and a great way of of of, of putting it, Moke, because in in full transparency, love the Boston Celtics. Have loved them in the postseason. Have won a ton of money, especially betting on them against the Bucks, against the Heat. But I felt I was more team warrior here. A because of home court advantage, they typically don't lose at the Chase Center. They lost once already. I don't anticipate them to lose again on Monday night. Just FYI, um, and. Um, and, and I felt they had the best player on the court in, in Curry. So I went Warriors. I played Warriors to win the series. I played, uh, Curry to win the MVP. And, uh, prior to game four, I switched gears again, because all the reports that Curry was injured, wasn't going to be able to play 40 minutes. Um, you know, potentially was going to be a shell of himself. So I switched gears. I put money on the Celtics to win the series and I put money on Tatum to win the MVP. So at the end of the day, (laughs) really what I did is I hedged, I hedged my bet. I'm pretty much breaking even. Like if I'm losing anything, I'm losing like $25, $50, whatever. I'm losing the juice. Fine. Like I can, Mm. I can handle that, but I'm breaking even. So now for me going in, it's a whole new series, right? This is a three game series. Two at home, one away, the Golden State. So now, man, talk about wishy-washy. I'm back with the Golden State Warriors. You know, I just, I, I don't, I don't think they lose another at, uh, at, at, at the Chase Center. And, and now, you know, they've got, they had, because now they travel back to the West Coast in San Francisco. It's a, it's a lot more playing time. A lot, I mean, a lot more um, off time for Curry to really get that foot a hundred percent. Who knows? I, I mean, it's amazing what he was able to do at, let's say, 80, 85, 90, 95%. We don't know, you know? Um, right. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm back on team warriors here. Uh, what, what do you see happening with just, you know, three games left? Yes. Yeah, st- statistically, uh, maybe I shouldn't say statistically, but based on the specific scenario that we're in, I mean, look, it's the Golden State Warriors, two games to win the championship. Two of those games are going to be at home. Most people would pick them. Uh, I think, Think that I would lean toward them as well. I mean, I was even I was leaning toward them uh, before game when they were down two one. You know what I mean? So I mm-hmm. obviously now at this point I would probably still lean them. But what I would say, honestly, Anita, I think that it really is a toss up. I think it's a pick 'em series, and the reason why I say that is because Boston. The reason why I, I've believed in Boston more over the course of the series is because they have advantages that the Warriors are not going to be able to solve. Boston is more athletic. Boston is bigger. They are stronger. They are deeper. They have they have more talent aside from Steph Curry, right? So to me, for the Warriors to win this series, number one, they're going to need Steph Curry to continue to play like a superhuman, which I think he's capable of doing two more times. And they're going to need more production from some of their other guys. And they were able to get that in game four. Jordan Poole gave them 14 big points off the bench. Andrew Wiggins obviously had a great game. So they're going to need somebody else to to give them those kind of contributions at least two more times. Can that happen? Yes, I do think it can. 
I would be remiss to not say that my belief, I, I think the Warriors were somewhat fortunate to win game four because even though their defense was not terrible, Boston missed a lot of open shots down the stretch of the fourth. I think they went one for eight from the field in the final five minutes of that game. At least four or five of those looks were really good, pretty open three-point looks, and they just missed them. You know, and they they say it's a make or miss league, and Boston just missed those shots. If they made one or two more, it would have been a completely different outcome, I think. So for that reason, I think it's ultimately just going to come down to who executes better, whether or not Draymond Green can find the fountain of youth for at least one or two games, and whether or not Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Derek White and, and all the rest of those guys that Ime Udoka has come to count on, whether or not they're going to be able to, to find the courage and the strength and the guts to win another game in, I was going to say in Oakland, in San Francisco. So, I mean, honestly, it could go either way. If you ask me to pick a team, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Warriors. Again, full disclosure, I was still picking them down to one. So it's not like I'm, I'm jumping ship here, but Boston has made believers of me over the course of this series. And like I say, I do believe they have decisive advantages that the Warriors are just not going to be able to, to solve. They're just going to need Steph Curry to remain unhinged to be able to pull them through this. And uh, I, I think he's capable of doing it. I think he's up to the challenge. Um, a, a few things. I, I, I made a list of you know pros and cons, right, for uh, what, what benefits either team, okay? And you tell me if you agree or, or disagree. Mm-hmm. Ready? So, mm-hmm. uh, so with, the, with, the, with the Golden State Warriors, here's what I have on their side. And I, I do this in life, by the way, when I have to make important decisions. Um, experience. This is fun. I mean, you're always doing that fun stuff. I like that. <laughs> this is fun. I'm, I'm really excited about doing you don't, this. You don't do this when you, have to, like, when you have to make like an important, when you have to make like an important decision in life. Don't you, don't you yeah, take out I, a, I don't, don't do, you take out like a pen and a piece of paper and like, bottles, <laughs> you know, and like kind of, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Right, like that's how, that's how I know you take this thing serious. I appreciate. Yeah, of that. course I do. Of course, you know I tell people all the time. You know, like you know when when you're when you're telling people, uh, you know when you're telling people where to spend their money, their hard earned money, that I don't take for granted. Then, um, you know, I yeah, I I definitely take it. I definitely take it seriously for sure. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, uh, Warriors experience, of course, that matters. Ball movement. The way that, that you know, like you know, the, the plays that Kerr and the, that they, of course, create and, and their ball movement, bar none, more scoring options. Typically, I, I know that really hasn't been the case in in the first four games. It's been hit or miss. But Poole stepped up. Wiggins has stepped up. So more scoring options, especially with their bench injuries. Now again, we were hearing Clay with the foot. Obviously, bamboozled, not the case. So coming in, they're, they're definitely, the Warriors, healthier than the Celtics because the Celtics now got to keep an eye on what's going on with Robert Williams. You know, he was taken out of the game uh, for the last few minutes of the game there. And, uh, and, and you know, that, that knee has been really an issue because don't forget he did have meniscus surgery prior to the postseason beginning. Clutch games. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are 5-2 in two in clutch games in the postseason, a better record than the Celtics. Home court advantage, as we know, they typically don't lose at the Chase Center, even though they did lose one in the first two games against Boston. Um, and so those are those are my pros, right, for the Golden State Warriors. For the Celtics, you can argue that they have the best six on the court, 
Okay. Uh, they have built a defense uh, to stop the Golden State Warriors. Like their defense is the perfect defense to stop the Golden State Warriors. Now, have they been able to st- stop Steph Curry? No, they haven't. They've got arguably the best defensive player in the league. He won Defensive Player of the Year, and Marcus Smart. Um, you got to love their firepower with Tatum and uh, Tatum and Brown, especially with Green, uh, who's been struggling two points a game. What's that? Clay Thompson's been struggling. Um, so, uh, so, so you got to like their firepower in regards to the head coaching. I'm, I'm going to go even here. I know a lot of people like what the, uh, Boston Celtics, um, do, uh, each and every game, how they readjust, they re-scheme, but you got to give Steve Kerr credit where credit's due as well. What I find really interesting is the, the difference between the fact that the Golden State Warriors don't lose at the Chase Center. And, oh, by the way, the Boston Celtics don't lose two in a row. So what trend breaks on Monday night? So, yeah. to, so to yeah. me, that's 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 really interesting. So again, I, I found more pros for the Warriors moving forward in this three-game series than I did for the Celtics. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's 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 hard to disagree. Um, I, I think I actually mentioned what I thought their pros were actually before you did this. I, I guess we're in sync. So at this point, I think if you're picking Boston you're thinking about the fact that they just went through Kevin Durant and Giannis and Jimmy Butler and that they're so, this is their time. They're sort of a team of destiny. I think that's one thing that you can kind of buy into that storyline. Aside from that, it would also be the youth factor, right? Like we have seen in the past that there are Steph Curry, 34 years old. So the question is, well, can he, can he pull them through this? Again, for me, it's, it's all coming back to Steph Curry. Because if he's not playing like a superhuman, then I think Boston is going to pull off this upset. But I think at this point, if you're taking the Celtics, it's really because you believe in their youth. You believe in their depth. You said top six players. You, so I tend to agree with that. And you just think that they're going to find a way to win an, at least one more game. They're going to find a way to win at least one more game in San Francisco. So I can't disagree with anything that, that you have there, Anita. I think the, the youth and the athleticism is what you hope is going to help Boston find their way through this if you're rooting for the Celtics. But like I said, me personally, I think I think the Warriors are looking – I don't know if I'll say they're looking pretty good, but I think that they're a little safer to pick at this point. I will check the books, though. I'm about to go check the books right now see what kind of odds they're giving the Celtics because I wouldn't give up on them completely. Uh, before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about the Knicks, okay? And, uh, and 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 what's to come? There's a report out there that they're considering bringing Mello back into the equation. I don't know if that surprised you at all. At the age of 38, he's averaging 13 points a game, four rebounds. As we know, they need a point guard. And uh, Brunson, who plays for Dallas, apparently his father is part of the coaching staff with Tibbs here. That can be uh, an angle. I I love what I saw from Brunson, especially uh, towards the end, um, the second part of of the NBA season. Question marks with Julius Randle. You know, his relationship with the fan base here, no bueno. What do they do with Robinson? Do they work out a deal? Apparently everything I'm reading is that he's uh, looking for a four-year $55 million deal. Thoughts thoughts on the Knicks as we get closer to, as we know, once the NBA championship is over, it's all about the summer that will be and the offseason. What do you expect for the Knicks in, in regard to a few of those topics I just threw your way, Moke? Yeah, I, I think that I think it's gonna it's a it's a very important, very interesting summer for the Knicks. There are definitely some big decisions to be made. Mitchell Robinson is probably the biggest one. Julius Randle, you know, they say when there's smoke, there's fire. 
You know what I mean? And we've been hearing uh, so much about about Brunson and about the team's interest in him over the course of pretty much the entire season. I would definitely keep an eye on that situation, you know. Um, and I know that a lot of the a lot of fans were, well, some fans I would say are, were disappointed in coming away with the 11 pick, even though that's where the Knicks statistically were supposed to end up. But I think for the first time in a long time, Anita, to be honest with you, there is something to kind of hold on to in terms of thinking that you're building a future. You know, you think about some of the younger players, and obviously R.J. Barrett, second half of the season, took some massive steps forward. Jericho Sims gave uh, gave the fans a lot to, to be excited about. So I, I think at this point, if you're the Knicks management, you just kind of have to take a step back and you have to figure out what pieces and what individuals you're actually going to try to build with. And obviously, the Kemba Walker experiment was a massive failure. There's no other way to put it. So they kind of have to go back to the drawing board and figure out what they're going to do about their point guard situation. But uh, I will say that from what I've been hearing, the team is – I how should I put it? I should say that Julius Randle is not off the table. From, from what I hear, you know, like he's a player that the front office there likes. For the most part, they still believe in him. But I don't think that anybody after last season could think that Julius Randle is untouchable or that moving him could not help the team in other areas. So definitely the name to watch. Not not, not really anything uh, groundbreaking or earth-shattering there. And uh, to be honest with you, I also would not be shocked to see them end up moving the 11th pick in a package if it were going to bring them back uh, an upgrade at the point guard position or an otherwise dynamic guard in the, the, the mold of perhaps a Donovan Mitchell, another situation that I would definitely keep an eye on. So, yes, certainly an important summer ahead for the New York Knicks. Absolutely. Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Moke, always great having you on each and every Sunday uh, talking all things NBA. Thank you, my friend. Um, call my name. Prince, you'll thank me later. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much. Appreciate it. And without for, further ado, uh, Eric Moody joins me here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see him all over ESPN, works with me on Daily Wager, is, uh, is extremely talented and, uh, and quite brilliant. Uh, so, uh, Eric, thrilled to have you on for the first time. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. And, hey, thanks for the invite, Anita. It's always good to talk sports, especially NBA and NFL. But, hey, things are going great. I'll tell you, if I were doing any better, I'd be a twin. <laughs> I do like that. Um, so I, I keep on using the word of the weekend is bamboozled. Now, you and I were on Daily Wager on Friday prior, of course, to uh, Game 4 of the NBA championship. And you can attest to this, right? Because you and I were on at the same time. We had bond temps. We had... Uh, Brian Winhurst, we had, I had Nick Friedel on my radio show later on that night before the game. Um, we had a lot of boots on the ground there in Boston and everybody was, oh, Steph Curry, uh, not going to be great, ankle bad, not going to play 40 minutes. Uh, this team will be nothing without him, uh, right? Like, wasn't that the narrative in regard to everything we were hearing from everybody who was reporting on the series? No, you're, you're, you're spot on. I agree with you. A lot of people thought that the ankle uh, would be like an issue. And, and clearly from watching that game, he did not look hampered by it in any way. So, so I use the word bamboozled, but um, my producer yesterday, Ty, made an excellent point, And he said there was no report of, a, of an MRI that was, you know, and, and Ty, I'm like, Ty, you're absolutely right. There wasn't. But nobody 
<laughs> nobody re- nobody reported that there was no MRI, right? Like mm-hmm. after the fact, we're like, well, wait, well, like, wait a minute, there was no MRI. Like, well, I should have known that. Well, nobody reported that there was no MRI. But at the same time, nobody reported that there was an MRI. But nonetheless, my whole point is, boy, uh, did I jump ship um, off the Golden State Warriors for the big reason. Why? They had lost home court advantage, and the best player who's playing in this series was going to be inactive. And so, um, boy, was I wrong, and I think a lot of people were wrong because the majority of the money were on the Boston Celtics, laying the four. It didn't look like it was a lot of points to uh, lay, especially with the reports that Curry was not 100%. Before we move forward into this next game five in San Francisco, curious to get your thoughts on what you saw happened in game four. Oh, I've got, I've got so much thoughts, you know, I'll, I'll just rattle off off the top of my head. You just tell me to stop when you need me to, but you know, first of all, Curry, you know, he was superb like in this series, you know, against one of the top defenses in the league in game four in particular, in my opinion, was I would say the best like NBA Finals game of his career. You know he, he's making history here. His 137 points in the finals is 48 more than any other player in the series. If you're wondering about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, they've combined like for 89 points. So Curry is crushing them, and he was instrumental in the Warriors' 10 4 quarter run. Uh, and he's done really well. Uh, back in Game Four, if my memory serves me right, he had uh, three different primary defenders. Uh, for the first time in his NBA Finals career, and he scored like 10 of his 43 points in those types of scenarios. And so you look at the situation, I'm like, you've got a game for where, or a series, excuse me, where the series goes back to San Francisco, tied up, momentum is clearly in the Warriors' favor right now, and Golden State has won at least one road game for an NBA record uh, 27 consecutive playoff series since uh, 2013. Uh, some other thoughts, you know, you got Andrew Wiggins, he was impressive, uh, 17 points, had a career-high 16 rebounds, uh, defended Jason Tatum very well. You know, Tatum only shot three for ten with Wiggins as primary defender in game four. Uh, a big difference, in my opinion, Anita, was uh, Kevon Looney. Uh, he finished with a game-high plus 21 in game four. The Warriors have a 55% rebounding percentage of Looney on the court compared to 45% when Looney is on the bench. And you got Tatum. He did his thing, 23 points. You got Jalen Brown, et cetera. My big observation with Boston, like with their superstars, like Tatum and Brown, is that the Celtics just need to move the ball around more and be less stagnant on offense. Having Tatum like an ISO every time is just not going to get it done. I'll kind of add a couple of thoughts and bring it together and pass it back to you. But you got Jalen Brown, 21 points, Richard Williams, 12 rebounds. Or, excuse me, Robert Williams, 12 rebounds. Uh, Marcus Smart had 18. Uh, the Warriors ended up scoring 17 of the game's last 20 points. But Williams just doesn't look healthy to me. Like, it, he was visibly limping around, like, in the second half. Uh, but Draymond Green bounced back. He made some huge plays down the stretch. He played better overall in game four, but statistically he's still struggling like on offense. And I'll, I'll close it on this. The third quarter is still being dominated by the Warriors. And I think that's making a huge difference in this series because they have outscored the Celtics by a combined score of 136-87 to 87 in the third quarter in the finals. Yeah, um, a, a lot to unpack there. Um, and looking back, as well as looking forward at the same time, it was evident to me in game three, Boston had 22 second chance points off of 15 offensive rebounds. So mm-hmm. I just, I felt it was imperative in, in game four that the Golden State Warriors win the boards. And so I was expecting more from Looney. I was expecting um, Wiggins. So those are two prop bets that hit for me. Wiggins over seven and a half rebounds. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Looney over seven and a half rebounds. Wiggins over Mm -hmm. 22 and a half points and rebounds. Those hit for me. 
Um, now here's, it's interesting. You mentioned Robert Williams. I think this is going to be key as well. One trend that I saw was on games that are a quick turnaround, like the one night turnaround. Robert Williams averages 25 minutes a game. And then that quick 24 hour turnaround, he would only play 14. Well, guess what? He played 31 in game four. That typically doesn't happen. That's not typically how they play him because of this knee injury and the surgery, the meniscus surgery that he had prior to the season starting. So they went off of trend. I lost that bet. I had the under two and a half combined blocks and steals. It ended up being three uh, because he did play more than 14, 15 minutes, but it turned around and bit him in the butt, didn't it? I mean, now uh, that knee reared its ugly head again. He was limping. He was taken out with the last few minutes. And now you've got a crucial. Now the series to me starts over again. Now this is a three-game yeah. series. Golden State still has home court advantage. It's uh, left coast, uh, right coast, left coast again. And now you're coming in and maybe you've you've really tweaked and you've put too much pressure on Robert Williams. And I think he's such a vital part of their defense. So that's a big red flag for me, Eric, a big red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I no, I agree with you because Robert Williams is a, is a difference maker for that team. So unfortunately, he, you know, he's not healthy, you know, in the series. But it does set up some really intriguing, like, betting recommendations if you're looking in the game five. Like, I feel like Jalen Brown, like, over six and a half rebounds, he's inconsistent from that point. Uh, Clay Thompson, you know, over three and a half triples. I know he started off slow, but – you know, he broke out in game three. That momentum continued in game four. And in my opinion, it should continue in game five. But I do like Jason Tatum as well, like over, you know, five and a half assists. Uh, you know, with an average of 7.8 assists per game in the finals, he's really done a really good job, like, with playmaking, but no other player is even averaging six. And I also like, you, you kind of mentioned him a moment ago, is uh, Looney. I think he's in a good spot, again, to get over, you know, 14 and a half points and rebounds. Eric Moody joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's turn our attention to the NFL. Now's the time. Guys, are uh, this is their last hurrah. This is their vacation time prior to training camps opening up, and that'll happen at the end of July, of course, leading into um, August where you've got the preseason games. And we found out, you know, very interesting, Eric, last season the, uh, the, uh, the practices were more important to a lot of teams and a lot of coaches and a, and a lot of preparation for the season than the preseason games, which I found really interesting. So um, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to that. But nonetheless, the most wagered futures bet right now out there is the Jets over five and a half. Now, I can understand why, right? Like, look at what they were able to do in the draft. To me, Garrett Wilson was a steal. I don't know how Atlanta passes up on Garrett Wilson. I think Garrett Wilson was arguably second best player in this draft. That's just, just my own two cents. I, I think, I think he's, he's absolutely tremendous. I like him even more so um, than, uh, than, than Sauce Gardner, by the way. I, I love the Garrett Wilson pick more so than the Gardner pick. Just my two cents. But with that being said, um, I'm looking at the schedule, and their first four games are against the AFC North. Two home, two away. I, like, I don't know why the NFL did that to them. I think this is a team that can start 0-4. On top of that, you're going to have potentially, Eric, marinating this, 13 of the 22 starters are either going to be rookies or second-year players. Like, a lot of youth on this roster. And they have to start mm-hmm. the season with four games against the ASC North. I've got some big concerns here. Um, but But please, break it down for us. Why do you feel... 
the most bet future right now is over five and a half for the Jets. Yeah, it's, it's just really an intriguing team. I'm trying to think about where to start with this, but it's, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of piggyback off what you mentioned about the schedule. Like, their early season schedule is daunting, but it does lighten up considerably as the season uh, you know, progresses. But I think it comes down to this. Um, they had a lot of expectations going into this year. But between, like, free agency and the draft, I feel like Joe Douglas, you know, had plenty of resources at his disposal, and he did a really good job with the resources, you know, that he did have. You look at free agency – um, I think one of the weaknesses entering the offseason were at safety, tight end, and guard for the Jets. Those are all addressed by Douglas in the first wave of free agency. Um, it's also worth noting, too, that he did keep much of the depth from last season intact. And he resigned like a number of really important players. And you also talked about a need of like the draft, what they were able to accomplish. I'm like, after the first four picks, they ended up with what, Sauce Gardner, uh, Wilson, as you mentioned, uh, Jermaine Johnson, Bree Hall. So I think that exceeded everyone's expectations with those picks. And I think when you bring all that together, I'm like, you look at the offseason, Douglas did a really good job. I think their only opportunities, and I'm going to be watching very closely in training camp in the preseason, are at nose tackle, linebacker, and free safety. So, again, it will be interesting to watch those positions as we head into training camp and see how those develop. But I do like the bet of the Jets getting over uh, five-and-a-half wins. You've got Wilson, who – don't underestimate the progress that a player can make, especially a rookie from one season to the next when they have their first full NFL offseason because the college season is a lot different uh, than the NFL. I can kind of attest to this. I did play college football, not at a big-name school, but still it's a lot different than I can imagine how making that transition to the NFL. But, again, the early season schedule is daunting, but I think the Jets can finish with an 8-9 and nine record. That's my opinion. Wow. Okay. Hey, that's music to the ears of uh, a lot of Jets fans, especially with that over-under only being at five and a half. Uh, but does eight and nine get them in the postseason? I don't believe it does. I think I, I've got Buffalo winning that division. I think people are sleeping oh, yeah. on on the Patriots because nobody believes in uh, in, in Mac Jones, which, by the way, I, I know, I know we're, we just started working together. Uh, not only am I a member of the Mac Jones um, fan club, I, I created it. So, uh, so just- <laughs> I love it. So just just so you know, Mac Jones was my favorite quarterback coming out of last year. Um, again, just as shocked as I am that Garrett Wilson fell to uh, the Jets as far as he did, I, I'm I'm shocked that Mac Jones fell to uh, the Patriots as far as they did. And and I think and I think uh, folks in the uh, in, in in the AFC East are going to pay price to that for sure. I think he's going to be good for a long time. In fact, I truly believe that the 49ers had their eyes set on Mac Jones when they worked out that deal to trade up. And I'm hearing that, um, that Lance, uh, Trey Lance just, uh, wowed, uh, um, uh, the, the 49ers. And, um, and, and so it was, it was a last minute decision to switch gears there and go Trey Lance over Mac Jones, which I think they're, they're going to severely regret, um, so just my two cents, by the way. But um, but anyway, the fact that you've got them winning eight games, I'm sure Jets fans will will take that in a heartbeat, considering that you know you got Brady Quinn, who's not expecting who's expecting them to go zero and nine. So we'll see what happens. Eric, so so great having you on. Thank you so much, my friend, on this Sunday morning. Appreciate you. Oh yeah, no, appreciate you as well, Anita. Thanks for the invite. Hey, it's a pleasure as always. Looking forward to the next time. You got it. Uh, look forward to having you on throughout the NFL season as well. Eric Moody with ESPN. 